Welcome to the Tumbleweed Podcast, where we discuss an eclectic range of topics, including business, design, Texas culture, and everything in between. We're two teachers that turned a side hustle into a nationally known apparel brand, and now we work with some of the biggest names in Texas. We strive to never stop exploring and continue to draw inspiration from our adventures. So drift and explore or raise a glass. We're always ready to hang out and talk about the things that we love. So come roll with us as we drift and explore. Hey, y'all. I'm Brian Wysong, the uh, co-owner, founder of Tumbleweed Textiles. And uh, here with me is my business partner, Jeb. Hey, I'm Jeb Madelich. I am also a co-owner, and I am kind of in charge of the art and the creative side of Tumbleweed Textiles. And this, which brings us to uh, why we're here today. We're going to discuss a little bit about art and design, uh, specifically with our business and, yeah. and what we do. So, it's right down my alley. You know, a lot of times people come to me and ask, uh, what do y'all do? And I have our little quick elevator pitch. You know, we are a Texas-inspired lifestyle and apparel brand. And they're like, oh, you're a T-shirt printer? And I, right there, I always stop and think, okay, I, I got to redefine who we are. And at the end of the day, our core competency is art and design. What we sell is not a T-shirt. It's an art. It's a masterpiece designed by the one and only across from me, uh, Jeb. So, yeah. Um, so with that said... How did we even come about creating art with our company? Well, I think you can, we can back up a little bit as far as my art background goes. Um, you know, I became an artist, I guess, at a very young age. I won the second grade art contest in Texarkana, Texas, at Liberty Ilu Elementary School. Uh, so I won that art contest in second grade. I uh, had really good uh, just elementary teachers at the time. I don't think we even had art in, in school back then. Uh, and I won first place, and my teachers were really good about, I guess, pumping me up about it, you know, like, oh, wow, that's so great, Jeb, you, you won the contest. So I, I feel like that's the kind of the moment that things changed for me. Uh, I had a lot of confidence in thinking that, okay, I'm actually good at something. This is, like, going to be my thing. And so ever since then, I really pursued art, pursued it all the way through, uh, and didn't have my first um, art class until seventh grade. And so that's where I learned, learned perspective value, all kinds of stuff. Before that, I was just basically drawing images out of magazines and comic books and things. Um, then I got to high school and I took uh, an Art One class, which is actually uh, what I teach now. So I, I, I taught, uh, took an Art One class in ninth grade. And that was the only art class that I had in, in high school. Uh, I was focused mostly in high school on uh, drafting, so mechanical drawing, engineering drawing, architectural drawing. Uh, that's what I did all four years. So that was kind of where I got my technical uh, background. But then fast forward uh, into college, I started out as an architecture major. I uh, didn't really do much with the architecture. Um, well, step back. I switched majors after two years. I decided I want to get into education like my dad. He was a football coach uh, and history teacher. So I decided I wanted to get back into athletics. And so after I got out of architecture school or after that second year in college, uh, that's kind of when I didn't have much art going on. So I kind of took a couple of years off from like drawing and stuff because I had been so intensive uh, the last six years building up to that. Uh, but then towards the end of my college years, I, uh, I decided to kind of start doodling around with some of my art. And a lot, of, a lot of the art that I was doing back then was sports art. So I was drawing like, you know, sports 
pictures, like, you know, professional athletes and college athletes and stuff and doing pen and ink drawings and watercolor and stuff. So that's kind of where, how my art background got in. So like I was saying, I was education, uh, geography major. Um, and then I went ahead and took the geography certification, the history certification, the PE certification. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get certified to teach art too. So I went and got my art certification too at the same time. Um, just in case I ever had the chance or opportunity to teach art. Again, my background was just a few art classes, kind of a self-made artist, always doing art, drawing and stuff uh, growing up, but not like a fine arts background, I guess you could say. So fast so, forward to a little bit further on <clears throat> as I got a, an, a so, teaching. So you're saying you're kind of a big deal, right? I'm not kind of a big deal. At this <laughs> point, I'm, I haven't had a whole lot of training in art. It's been more <clears throat> kind of a learning dude on the fly you probably don't know this but seventh grade art i was the art student of the year oh wow back at crowley middle school all right and it's because i made a a marionette doll i don't know if i just said that right but uh it was of rusty greer who played for the rangers my all-time favorite baseball player um but i made that and i worked really most of the year i didn't really try that hard but I remember drawing something with Ricky Williams, who played for UT at that point, oh, yeah. uh, which now all the Red Raiders would probably hate me for. But uh, so, so it looks like we have two Artists of the Years uh, right here on our team. Wow, that's amazing. I did not <clears throat> know that about you, Brian. That's uh, actually really cool. Um, so with that said, though, your background, um, also that's the foundation of uh, how you got involved in art, how you got involved in design, your passion. But how has that leveraged or basically been the bridge to where we're at today as a company right and and i think you know i I had a couple coaching jobs and i did some teaching of history and i picked up a couple art classes at a middle school when i when i taught at garland and i came to frisco uh taught texas history which i think played a big role in where we are today i taught texas history for six years uh and then also was coaching no art at the time uh, and then I came to Liberty High School, and that's when I became began teaching art only. I got out of coaching and started teaching uh, art. Um, that's when I think things really kicked in for me. I was like, oh, my gosh, I teach art. So this is really cool. So, like, in my free time, I need to be showing the students that I do art. And so I started creating more art, really started getting into painting, really started getting to uh, in my pen and ink drawing and things like that. And so that, that's kind of when I met you right. um, at Liberty High <clears throat> School. And I was already kind of immersed in kind of trying to build up my own brand and do a lot of my own paintings and things like that. But I think that when we kind of made that connection, if you can look back, the Texas history that I taught, uh, the art uh, that I was teaching at the time, and then you coming to me, um, I mean, that it's kind of was the perfect storm as far as like where we are today. And it's it's kind of some of the themes that we follow, Texas themed stuff. And then also... um, yeah, you know, the artistic part of that for sure. You know, it's I always like to joke. I'm kind of like the agent of design. What that means is I can't design except for in seventh grade, of course. You're right. <clears throat> but my wife, uh, Hillary, is an artist, uh, so I have a, an appreciation for the arts through photography fi- and different mediums. Uh, and I remember when I first saw your art, uh, it was your mixed media, which we'll discuss here in a second. But you know, backtracking, I've always had a passion for the arts. Rather, uh, you know, it's going uh, Fort Worth. I'm from Fort Worth, you know, the uh, different art shows in downtown. There's or some great museums there, too. Kim, you know, uh, the, uh, I just drew a blank. The Kimball. Kimball Art Museum, you know, field trips all the time there. Um, but then the music side of it. And I always like to tell people my art's marketing. 
you know, I always like taking the creative aspects of marketing and applying it to the arts, finding creative ways to uh, make what we do on social media, what we do in our design to affect a human like a, a masterpiece of art. Uh, and I think that's what connected me to you when I saw some of your mixed media uh, that you had on your website and your blog. As like, man, this guy is ultra talented and it's a different kind of art and style that than I've ever seen. Uh, so what exactly is mixed media and like, how did you get into that medium? Well, I guess the mixed media stuff is obviously it's where you use different medias. But at the time, uh, I was doing a lot of using a lot of my photography. So I was kind of dabbling in photography, nothing special, just digital photography. Uh, I did use a Holga camera for a little bit, which was fun. But I would take my images through my travels and uh, whether it be landscapes or I was doing a lot of like motel signs and things at the time. So I'd take old sign photos and stuff. And then I've always been a collector. So I've been doing garage sales probably since college. Um, and so I always pick up old maps. I was a geography major. So I uh, love maps. And so I kind of put the two together. So I would take maps, old paper, old stuff that I'd find at garage sales, glue them down onto wood or, or paper or whatever. And then I would take my photos and I had some acrylic transfer methods that I would use and looked up uh, and then would put my photos on top of these mixed, you know, on these collages, I guess. And then then you can also paint on top of it. So that's kind of what I was doing a lot of when we met was mixed media stuff with maps, train schedules, um, collage of paper, and then also uh, using my photography or my photos of old either Texas landmarks or um, motel signs and things on top. So that's that was kind of my what I was yeah. really that was kind of finding <clears throat> my niche at that moment, I guess you could say. And I think like when we first started, not only did that <clears throat> go into our design related to our T-shirts, but also our marketing. And I say that because if you remember, I remember the first time we had to create like a sign for a show. You know, you took that piece of a board and you you painted tumbleweed textiles on it. Right. And there was a, a time when we were creating a kind of like a mixed media box right. that I wanted to send out for press purposes, uh -huh. uh, press kit. Uh, we took a box and you basically, it was a paper mache, mm -hmm. uh, different maps or pieces on there. And then on top of it, uh, painted or sketched out tumbleweed textiles. Right. And so I think when I saw your art, not only did we think of, okay, how can we apply this to a product, but how do we apply that to the whole vibe and look of our whole company? And how can we take our brand and not make it look overly polished and perfectly clean but have a little bit of that Texas rugged mixed media vibe to it. Um, and I know you mentioned like uh, garage sales and estate sales and junking. And, uh, but what other inspirations, I guess, do you take that applies to your art as it relates to your personal art under junkie trinkets, but also uh, as an artist under tumbleweed textiles? Right. Um, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, we weren't. I'm not like a fine artist in a way like, you know, I am using junk. I'm using old paper. I'm using old uh, books and maps and things. And then my work is not always perfect. And so I think, like you said, like when we first started our website and stuff, we were still using actually kind of trying to have that, that look of layered effects of, of maps and phot photography uh, that we did. But um, getting like to your question, I think just inspiration wise, it's so easy for me, just being a Texan and moving around so much and then through travels and stuff, I get inspiration uh, all over. And you start thinking about Texas things. It's, you know, the food, the music, um, the travel, the road trips, the state parks, you know, the fishing, the outdoor activities. 
um, all those things have, you know, cool, unique artistic elements to them. If you can, you know, look beyond just the, the surface area of them. So I think tying all that kind of stuff together into our company just made total sense. I mean, that's one thing I think that's cool about us. I think we're pretty authentic. It's not like we're trying to be somebody that we're not. I don't feel like I'm trying to make art like someone else. I'm just making art the way that I know and the things that I like and just tying those kind of things into that. So it was kind of an easy transition when we started the company, kind of what our theme or what our look was going to be early on uh, was just kind of taking some of your ideas and then some of my artistic ideas and my style and kind of merging it together. Right. Because also I come from the background of more strategy and uh, flows and processes. You are a true artist. You know, you, you design and you create out of your, your passions and, and your life experiences. And I always tell the team, there's a kind of a, in my opinion, this is my own personal little definition, is there's a difference between art and design. To me, art is the overflow of inspiration, whereas design is a strategic piece of art done at targeting a purpose, a goal, or target audience. Um, as we've taken your art and applying it to, you know, our products at Tumbleweed Textiles, how has it been for you as an, a true artist, and maybe it's utilizing our team, but how has it been as we've gained customers and retailers and custom clients having to take your art and tailored to be more design focused to reach an audience or reach the uh, goals that our customer has, you know? Right. And I think that's something I learned early on, or it took me a little while because yeah, I was just like, I was all over the place with my art. I was like, Oh, I like this. I kind of have a short attention span. So I'd be, I like this style. I like this style. So you kind of reeled everything in. You're like, listen, what, what's your main core style that you like, you know? And you kind of were, were, you taught me basically about the branding part, the design part. I'm not a designer. You know, I've kind of learned to become a better designer, I guess, because I was more of an artist creating art. Right. Um, but I think you teaching me more about branding, like, hey, we need to have a purpose. Like, we're doing this. We need to create create art that fits this. And we, what's the point? Like, I do something, but like, well, what's the point of that? Who's that going to reach? What What are we trying to say with this? So, you know, what's, you know, so like, oh. So you start thinking a little bit more strategically, uh, you know, and I did, especially early on, like, what, what am I doing this for? And then, like you were saying, like taking my own art style and then matching it with whether it's a custom client or whether it's like something seasonal that's coming up. Um, some of that stuff's easy. Some of it's different. But I think a lot of the the clients that we get or that come to us, they want that style that we started out originally. Right. They come to us because they like our style and what we're doing. And so a lot of times it's fun because they're like, we want you to do this for us. But in your style, don't right. change it. Don't make anything different and new about it. We want the style that you guys have been using, but twist it into our brand. Right. Make it work. So that's, I mean, we deal with that a lot. Which I think is is kudos to you and Hillary, Fred, and our team. Right. Uh, and McKenna now uh, on, our, on our, our team, creative team, is that we, we have become known for a, a true style. You know, when people think of... Uh, certain t-shirts or Texas culture and design, we're one of those brands that comes to mind. And, and I think that is pretty cool. Uh, the influence you and our team has played on Texas art. And with that said, how has it been working as a team? So to me, when I think of artists, 
like yourself, I think of individuals, you know, a one man, one woman show where you work on your canvas or your paper or yeah. whatever it might be. But the process of you being a true artist, let's say Hillary being more of a designer, what's that structure or process look like from idea, um, collaborative ideas to putting it on paper and as, it, as you go to a final product that is being worn or utilized by a customer? Right. I think, um, you know, I think it's been a great situation. I think I think we're lucky to kind of have, you know, Hillary, like you said, your wife, a uh, great eye for photography. She's a professional photographer. Uh, so she has a great eye for composition and, and that kind of stuff. And she has a, a graphic design degree as well. Um, Fred is also a great, you know, sculptor, 3D guy, uh, also design uh, letterer, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, and then you kind of take some of the stuff that I've done, a little bit of photography, um, drawing and painting. And then the three of us kind of work together pretty well. And, and it's been neat because like, we'll have a concept of like, here's what we need to do. Like we need uh, whatever it might be, like a fishing shirt, okay, a fishing design for the spring. Um, we'll all kind of, you know, have ideas that we'll throw out there, kind of make a, some sort of like bullet, you know, bullet list of kind of what we want to see. Um, a lot of times I kind of have an idea and I'll kind of drive that idea. Hillary, you'll start throwing out ideas. Um, and then we'll start the, the sketching process. So we'll start kind of coming through with some some graphics or visuals and then kind of go from there, kind of work around. Oh, I like this part of it. Oh, can you change this? Can you change the font? Oh, let's, what if we did this? And so having three sets of eyes uh, on certain designs a lot of times uh, has been really awesome because there'll be something I, I'll get like 75% finished and I'll throw it over to Hillary and she'll be like, oh, wait, what if we did this? And I'm like, oh, perfect. Okay. Whatever she'll add or I'll do the, or vice versa. Hillary gets something, you know, pretty close to finishing and I'll say, Hey, what if we do this? So as a team collaboratively, it's been really cool to work with, with people that maybe have a different style or just someone that's, it's, it's how it is with anything. Like if you get just another set of eyes or just another uh, person in there to kind of put their two cents in, uh, can really make a big uh, difference. And I think we've, we've utilized that quite a bit with our team and we all work yeah. together. And, but, but the cool thing is we're all starting to kind of learn each other's style. And so now it's kind of, it's less back and forth. A lot of times it's like, I kind of know what Jeb likes. I think this is going to be something that he's going to, you know, so there's less revisions, I guess, than there yeah. used to be. So when I think, uh, as you know, my background is uh, used to work at a marketing agency. So I help work with other artists. Uh, and there was always uh, kind of a fight between the marketing sales team and the design art team because the design art team would have a view of what looks good uh, out of the inspiration of their heart or their personal opinions. And then the design sales team is like, no, that's not what the client wants, right? Right. Um, and I think one of the best things, and I know there's a lot of uh, designers and aspiring uh, entrepreneurs in the creative space that are listening to the podcast and probably a big question they have is like, how do you create something that makes your client happy? Um, and for you, what are some things when you're sitting in on a conference call with one of our big clients, big or small, what are some of the questions that you would ask um, or triggers that you need to f- find out to be able to then go to the, the table and get to designing t- to create something that our client might like? Right. And I know a lot of, you know, there's probably a lot of designers and stuff listening to this and, and I've, I've heard a lot of people speak on this as well, but you know, you want to have some sort of outline to where you kind of almost have like a, a questionnaire in a way to where you have some bullet points that you want to make sure that you're on the same page with them 
and then like everyone knows the expectation. So obviously like style, uh, colors are important, you know, what their branding is. You know, a lot of times these bigger clients, we get um, branding guides from them. And so we're able to kind of like look and see kind of what their brand is and then how we can take our style, tie it into that. Um, those are going to be important things. Um, just kind of what what their goal is with it, I guess you could say. Um, because, you know, designing for for clients or doing like custom work, um, you know, sometimes – we have to be selective with who we want to work with sometimes because right. there's some certain, we get calls from people that want us to do like a shirt for their family reunion or something. It's like, eh, we don't really do that. But then there's a brand that maybe is a good, you know, high profile Texas brand that we feel like we can align well with. Um, you know, we just want to kind of on those meetings, just kind of ask questions like, you know, what's the purpose? What colors are you looking? You know, what's your timeline, uh, your expectations. And then we all try, we kind of build a, a, a timeline or, or, or model around that um, and go and go from there. Yeah. So. One thing, as we said, uh, you know, in our fr new Frisco flagship store, we have a little conference table upstairs. So on a daily basis, uh, I get to, you know, sit down and speak to our team, kind of as a creative director in the sense of marketing, not with you like you are with product. Yeah. And when we look at our custom clients, one of the things I always uh, encourage the team to do is, Think of like a matrix, right? Like a, a line. Uh, on the far left is like uberly conservative. On the far right is uberly out of the box. And then the very center is like the most safest, like a Ralph Lauren t-shirt. I mean, uh, a Ralph Lauren polo. It's, it's, it used to be in style, still is in style, probably will always be in style because it's it's a basic colored shirt. Uh, there's nothing about it that is uh, unsafe, you know, risky. And I always say try to design a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, and a few in the middle um, because the concepts that you would show a custom client is you're creating kind of the, the barriers and the playing field of where they go. Yeah. And, like, for us, because we're creating a product that also represents our brand, we're not like a custom marketing agency. Uh, people come to us because they want people to know that they're working with us. You know, most custom agencies, it's white label. You don't tell anyone who you worked with on your custom design. Yeah. We want to make sure it represents who we are and what we do. So we want to make sure, you know, all the concepts we show represent us well. But you also want to give a flavor of each side uh, from risky to not risky, conservative, whatever. So it, it helps you when you go through your first round of revisions, allow the customer to come back and say, hey, I like that and that. So then you go know what, you know, which path you're going to go down on your second round of revisions to create the perfect masterpiece, uh, which kind of goes into a question. The second question uh, I know designers always ask is, like, how do you get paid to do what you do? Um, and I would venture to say the quicker you design and the quicker you get to the final product and deliver to the, the client, the more you get paid because you get paid for your time. Right. Uh, but for you as an artist, as a painter, as a mixed media artist, and of course with Tumbleweed Textiles, what's some encouragement or tips on other aspiring artists about how to, you know, charge, right. and get paid for what they do? Yeah, this is the, this is like the, well, no pun intended, but like the million dollar question here. Um, you know, designers are always curious about, you know, how do you get paid? Artists, how do you get paid? Because that's what I think that's one thing that, that artists don't know a lot about. And a lot of artists are not good business people. 
They just yeah. like to create, but then they don't know the business side of art. And that's something that I've had to learn as well. But, you know, there's some pretty set standards. There's a lot of books and websites and stuff that you can kind of get out there and, and look and kind of see what the going rate is for, you know, a logo design or a T-shirt design. Or you're going to, you know, have a package of five T-shirt designs. You know what? You know, we don't have to deal with that because we all we work in house for the most part. Right. Um, so the things that we design for the most part, probably like 90% of the things we design, we're going to use ourselves. And for the custom stuff, it just kind of depends on uh, the situation. There's been a couple things where we've designed things for, you know, for instance, like 7-Eleven. It was kind of a deal where they had a budget. Um, we designed a certain number of shirts for them uh, that fell in that budget, and it was, you know, a good fair price and, and that kind of stuff. But then there's other things that we do for people that it's kind of more of a trade. It's like we'll design this, and then you – you know, then you'll do this for us. And so there's some simple things that we do that are more of a trade. Um, so there's that aspect of it. I know when I was doing paintings and things, that was kind of one of my big deals, like how do I charge for this painting? Right. You know, what kind of value am I creating? So a lot of times people would charge by the square inch. Mm-hmm. So the bigger the painting, you know, you could do it that way. Or you could, you know, tie in how much time you're spending. Um, so I don't have a set answer as far as like how you charge. I just would say kind of, Research, you know, with the internet now, you can get on there and basically Google and find out kind of what the going rates for most things is are. Um, and then if you're, you know, in design class or school, I'm sure that they're covering all that information too. Right. But I think it's more about value. Like what what value are you bringing? Right. And a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, that's so expensive. I can't, oh, I can't afford that. But like, yeah, but like we make this, we put the time into it. We're creating, giving you value with our name back behind it, it means something. It's going to be valuable for you, and it's going to be something that you couldn't probably produce on your own. Yeah. I, so when I taught marketing, um, one of the things that I would always do is I'll stand up in front of the class. This was, was always the entry-level, uh, I guess, question to my marketing classes. I would hold up a watch, and I'm sure I saw this at some conference at some point, but I'll hold, hold up my watch and say, how much is this worth? And people would shout out, you know, kids that like, oh, you own Tumbleweed Textiles, you must be rich. Or, oh, you sell Texas shirts, you must be poor. You're a teacher, you're poor. So th- their answers would always be based off of what they, how rich they thought I was, which I don't wear expensive watches. So kids would say, $500, $1,000, $2. Right. I'm like, okay, how much is the value? Not how much is it worth, but what's the value? And then they all get quiet, and I would say, well, it's whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah. And I say that because I, from the marketing side, a lot of artists, I think, sometimes overvalue their art. And that sounds like a really hard thing to say, but if, if you're putting a dollar amount on it and no one's willing to pay for it, you're going to go out of business really quick. Right. But on the flip side, there's also a lot of artists that undervalue Mm -hmm. and then they forget to think about cost of goods, gas, you know, the cost of the frame, the cost of the plastic that covers the frame, shipping charges, sales tax, uh, insurance, all the things that you might have to pay. Right. And so from my perspective, the value of your service or the product you're selling needs to first cover the cost of good. Then you need to look at, okay, per hour, what is it you're hoping to make? And so then you break up your profit based off of, okay, I spent two hours on this. 
okay, you want to be $50 an hour? So it's right there, it's $100 plus your cost of goods is now what you charge for that product. And then over time as you go, like us, I mean, think about it. Do you remember what we sold our first T-shirts for? I do. I think it was around like 15 to $17, somewhere in there. 15 plus sales tax, right? right? And I thought that was an expensive shirt at the time. Right. And we sold it, and they sold. Maybe at a few flea market trade shows, like people are like, oh, that's too expensive. Yeah. But people bought it. And then we jumped from, fi- after we gained a clientele, we got some wholesalers. We realized on the wholesale side, uh, they wanted to buy it at a lot cheaper rate, but at a larger quantity. Do you remember what we bumped our price to? Like 20, 20? I think, 20. 21, 20, yeah, somewhere around there. And then I remember then we got a wholesale rep, I believe, and we're like, no, bump the prices up to 25. I was like, that's ridiculous. But our sales went through the roof. Right. And it's because the moment we put a $25 price point on a what was a $20 shirt, people thought the value greatly increased, even though it was the same garment. Right. From the same artist. Mm-hmm. Cost of goods did go up a little bit with inflation. Right. But I also, going to what I was saying, is, is overvaluing or undervaluing, sometimes it's about managing perception is sometimes putting a good dollar amount on it is going to be what, lack of a better term, manipulates or manages the perception of your audience. But I say that, so from your point of view as an artist, what would be your encouragement to other artists that are out there, not necessarily what their price point is, but how to not overvalue or undervalue their their skill, their, their craft. Right. Like you said, I think there's so many artists that do undervalue because I'll see, I'll go to look little art shows and stuff. I'm like, Oh my gosh, those are really cheap for the quality that they're using. So I think just sometimes people just need to like, you know, if they're flying off the shelves at you know, 25 bucks a print, then like flying off the shelves, you can't keep them. Then you might want to think about bumping it up and making it more, you know, like more of a scarce scarcity type of deal or like, you know, something that's, that's, going to hold a little more value because you're probably going to be able to get that. Um, you know, like I said, pricing is tough. Um, I just hate to see artists that are undervaluing in their work. And then mm-hmm. on the other hand, there's some people that are like, oh, yeah, this painting is like $10,000. And, well, yeah, no one's going to, you know, you did it in one night. Yeah, It's not 10000 you know, it doesn't have value to me unless you've established yourself as someone who's creating something that's amazing and it's gotten a lot of good reviews and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's something that's that's popular and sought after, but you kind of got to find that middle ground of, you know, make sure you're charging enough and you're getting something out of it and making it worth your time. Uh, but then also don't be so high on your horse that, that you're yeah. overpricing things and it's not going to be something that you're going to be able to get rid of. You've got to find that happy medium and, and find the demand. I mean, it's all about the demand. It's just like this, you know, supply and yeah. demand. Well, thing it's taken us 10 years to get to where we're at. Right. So if you were to take our product t-shirts and truly considered an art, which I do. The product, the design on it is a, a masterpiece. People don't understand. It's like a walking billboard. I mean, people are wearing your art, and they're wanting to show the world your art on their shirt and on their chest. And it, it people want to represent your art, which is pretty awesome. Right. And it's taken us 10 years, and day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, we've slowly increased the dollar amount because – Value isn't just in the product, but it's also the branding around it. And that's the reason I always say 
branding and marketing is my art because you got to figure out how to tell a story and showcase your art in a way that someone wants to connect to it, buy it and take it home and put it up on their mantle. Yeah. And so packaging and different things like that. What are some tips to artists beyond just creating the design, creating the product, but the other things like packaging, social media, content, what is a way an artist should get themselves out there to add value to their brand? Wow. That's a, that's a big question. Um, I think, you know, again, it's, it's something I learned a lot from you, just the, the branding aspect of it. Like, you know, we kind of picked our set colors that we were going to use in our branding a few years ago. And we've, you know, you stay consistent with that. It kind of, it's something that's cohesive that's going to bring everything back together. Uh, I was talking to McKenna earlier, one of our uh, employees and, and another artist on the team, about like a like a palette, like using a color palette that's consistent uh, in your artwork and, and the, kind of making that, you know, a something that, that's going to be recognizable for your art. But I just think that, you know, you can't be all over the place. If you really want to get someone's attention, it's got to have some sort of unity. So, like, your website needs to go along with what uh, your shirts look like, you know, the images on your website. I see so many brands and artists that like, they have this really cool, fun art, but then you look at their banner on their website, it's just like, you know, black with white lettering <laughs> and just something really boring. It doesn't really portray that. And like you said, the packaging, you know, do you, we ship our stuff out um, in, in bags that have some of our art on it. So right. it's, it, everything ties together. So I think if you're an artist or a designer that's, that's kind of jumping in the field and wanting to do something for yourself is just kind of staying consistent. Think about what uh, your style is and what you're wanting to, to portray in your art and then try to find little pockets in everything that you do right. that, that ties that in. So even as if it's something small, you know, make right. sure that your website, your packaging, uh, your postcards, uh, anything, email marketing, there's some sort of tie in to where everything is consistent. Right. Um, well, I think you nailed it because another medium of art is musicians. And I'm a part of an organization here in Frisco that oversees over 200 or so musicians. And we have this event called Music on Main. And we have incredible artists. I mean, they're sitting there singing and playing. People yeah. are throwing in tips. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the number one question is, what's their name? How do I find them? Yeah. And so many of these artists are so focused on their product, their singing, that they forget to tell people where to find them. Yeah, And I think as an artist, you nailed it. I mean, you make sure. I know artists uh, tend to be humble and um, not as outgoing as like a marketing sales lawyer kind of person that wants to tell the world who they are. Um, but as an artist, you cannot forget to tell people and show people where to find your art, even if it's on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Instagram, what, what, what's the, the art medium? Is there, or is there any like sales, uh, social media for artists? Well, I mean, I use Instagram a lot with okay. art. I mean, that's who I kind of follow along. I think there's Behance and some other things like that, but you nailed it. I mean, artists, like you said, are sometimes humble. You just got to learn to like sell yourself. Yeah. That's, that took me a while to figure that out too. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't really, you know, then I was like, no, people were, someone told me basically that like, you need to get business cards. And so, like, I got some business cards from Moo, and they had, like, a little keychain deal, and they were, like, little small cards. I put my art on them, and I had them on my keychain. So if someone started asking me about my art or, like, they're like, oh, do you have a website? I could just pull out a card and give it. So I started learning sell yourself. Don't be shy. 
people if people are interested enough to ask you about things uh, about your art you know yeah. be ready to show them and have a, and have a landing page have somewhere where they can go and actually see it yeah um, sell yourself you know don't be scared to to step out and and do that i know you know it's kind of scary at first but let's get out there you know now it's a little bit easier with social media since it's kicked up so much everybody has their own instagram page or facebook page things like that where you can showcase but don't be scared to get out there yeah. and sell so the reality is we've been doing at this for 10 years as a company now i want 11 years almost now yeah. you as an individual artist been doing it for many more years than that um I hope we as an organization company have, has inspired other artists to pursue their passion, pursue their career. Um, I think a lot of times people have a passion for art, but they don't pursue it as a career or even a, a side hustle. Um, is there any, and you didn't know I'm going to ask this question, so sorry to throw you on the spot, but is there an artist or two that has really inspired you uh, along your artist journey? Oh, wow. Um, I think early on it was a guy named Opie Otterstadt, and you might have seen him at the ballpark. He would always yeah. be in the art gallery, like painting out there. That guy, oh my gosh, he's, he's, he's signed his artwork, Opie. He would do these really cool paintings. Love that guy. Um, more recently, um, I guess in my late college years, early adult years, like a lot of the stuff with Santa Fe, a lot of the landscape artists. Uh, one of my friends, Jennifer K. Van, a great landscape artist. She really inspired me. Uh, and then more recently, uh, he's become a friend of mine now, but John Flaming hmm. uh, out of Dallas. He does he's some awesome. really cool, like, illustrative, like, cowboy stuff and Western art. I mean, oh, my gosh, his stuff is amazing. And, and it's really cool. I've actually become friends with him recently uh, over the last few years. Um, but just his style is so cool. I mean, yeah. yeah. Talk about it. He, he values his art. He does. Because I would love to buy one. I just can't afford it. But every time I go on to, like, that's always – that's so expensive. That's going to be there next week. He sells his stuff like crazy. Oh, yeah. He has collectors that will buy that stuff up. And so he does make prints, which are yeah. a little bit more affordable. But he's kind of, you know, like we were talking earlier, he's someone that's kind of built up his name, his brand, and, and there's a value to his artwork because it's, it's so, you know, unique and, and people want to have it. And so yeah. he's, he can, he's built up that price point where he can do that. Yeah. And I think he's just involved. I mean, I saw him at the, the KHY Texas Music Revolution. I, I see him out and about meeting people. Uh, you know, that's, I think the other element for a lot of artists, sometimes artists that I've known, uh, want to stay to themselves, but just make sure they get out and meet people and introduce themselves and just make connections with, uh, other artists and even business people out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, shout out to John Flaming. Look him up. He's yeah. Awesome. So one last, uh, I guess question I have that I don't know if we really covered, but I'm always intrigued by this, uh, as I talked with Hillary, my wife and is uh, how has your art evolved uh, from day one to where we're at today? How's it evolved to where you're at right now? Well, um, I think early on I was very technical. Like I said, when in high school I was architecture, engineering, drawings. So everything was really tight and technical. A lot of rulers, a lot of circle templates, uh, compasses, things like that. But uh, even in my sports art, I was like it was real technical, like really, you know, drawings that were really tight. Um, I think I've loosened up actually a lot and I've gotten a little bit more uh to where I'm not so you know tight with my art I'm, I've kind of I still have a little aspects of that in my artwork which I still like but I just think I've kind of evolved with um loosening up obviously and then also just kind of growing I mean as you get older you kind of realize 
but you kind of find your style too. So you kind of want to find that niche and, and stick with it. But I, I'm a little bit more open now. And I think by teaching art, like teaching yeah. like kids how to use value and how to, you know, do perspective and all those kind of things. Like since I'm immersed in it every day at school, it's just kind of one of those things that just kind of helps keep you inspired. Uh, it helps keep you up with your skills um, and incorporate that kind of stuff in my artwork. So before I was teaching art, I wasn't always immersed in it. But now that I am teaching art, I do incorporate a lot more of that stuff and think about more, more about composition and colors and color theory and how this is going to work together. Whereas before, maybe I wasn't doing as much of that. Yeah. Well, I'm proud to feel like I don't sell T-shirts, but that we're in the business of art and design. Um, and Definitely. I love that we support other artists, uh, other curators as they grow uh, from students that you've taught, uh, our whole team are former teachers. Um, but as we kind of, as I summarize some of your points, um, and this is what I'm most proud of with our company is I think so many artists, businesses, and brands go out there and try to copy the other one, copy the other brand, other company that's successful. Um, I think what has made your art, Hillary, McKenna, Fred, our team's art so successful is authenticity. No doubt. And it's out of passion. It's true art. And it's not art that we've copycatted or done to mimic others, but it's truly who we are and what we do and what we believe in from our morals, our values, our passions, and our lifestyles. But we're able to translate that and just communicate it out effectively to people so that they want to be, have a piece of that art to wear. So kudos to you and our team. Um, I'm very proud that I get to work with y'all uh, creating amazing art um, and products that people yeah, love. I'm just glad that, yeah, this is just such a cool opportunity that we've had. I mean, we've been so blessed the last 11 years to where I'm, wow, you know, we've created a career out of art and creating art, which is a dream. So it's awesome. Well, obviously y'all know we're Tumbleweed Textiles. Uh, you can find us at, at shop TWT on Instagram. Uh, but I want you to give a quick shout out. Where can people find you on Instagram, your personal uh, my personal is Junkie Trinket, at Junkie Trinket. Okay. And then I have another one where I do a lot of my art. It's more like pen and ink type stuff. It's called Jebediah Texan. Okay. Y'all need to go check his stuff out. He is legit. Um, and so go follow him. Follow our company, of course. And just, again, know as you walk away from here is uh, and design and art is amazing. And if you're an artist, uh, don't be scared. Pursue your passion. Uh, but stay true to who you are, and uh, hopefully this podcast gave you a little piece of inspiration or education on uh, pursuing what you love to do. All right. Adios, y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all.